Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about strongholds. Everybody say that with me. Say strongholds. I want to talk about strongholds that can happen in our mind. You know, a lot of times the church is afraid to talk about the mind. And yet God has given us this amazing gift called our mind. You know, scientists are now saying that our thoughts signals seem to move faster than the speed of light. As a matter of fact, it's about 3,000 thoughts per hour, 50 thoughts per minute. How many of you know with some of the females, it's probably more than 3,000 thoughts per minute. It's probably 10,000. Come on. And <laughs> because your mind, my, my, my wife tells me, you just don't know how women think. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> because we think uh, like guys, we think like waffles. We think in categories, right? And girls' minds are more like spaghetti. Come on, somebody. They're all running through. And we're like category, category, category. Don't, don't shout me down because I'm telling the truth. But if you're honest, thoughts really come from all directions. You're looking or driving on the 15 and you see billboards and there's pictures of things that maybe you just didn't want to see or you were hungry and you looked up at a billboard and you saw this big hamburger that was sweating and you're like, ha, right? There's thoughts coming from all directions, from media, from radio. But yet, here's the great news. God gave you the ability to choose which thoughts you can meditate on. Can I hear a good amen? amen? And so you choose. And you didn't need, and we don't need, we don't need to meditate on every thought we think. Can I just say this? And we shouldn't believe every thought that we think. Right? Because thoughts are always coming. And this is why I believe this is so important. You know, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says this. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, what does it say? So is he. And I wonder if you were to stand outside yourself and listen to some of the things that you talk about when you talk about your thoughts, if you would think that your thinking is a little bizarre. You know, I've done 20-something years of counseling, and when people start talking about things to me, I just sit there and go, you're really thinking about this stuff? Like, this is really what's going on in your mind? And here's the great news that the Bible tells us is that our minds can actually be renewed. Our minds can actually change. And here's what really God wants for our lives is he wants us to think the thoughts of God. He wants us to think like he thinks. If his ways are higher, I want to think higher. That's what he wants. And today, let's talk about strongholds in our mind. You know, turn if you have your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. If you're coming to church, maybe for the first time, or you've been coming for a while, you should always bring your Bibles to church. You know, I think sometimes when we think about or hear the word strongholds, we always think... Uh, about like a heavenly battle. We can think strongholds, this heavenly battle, you know, and it is true. The Bible talks about that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. I believe in those. I believe that they are real. Uh, when you look at the story of Daniel, Daniel was praying and the Bible says that an angel showed up and said, hey, look, the moment that you prayed, God heard and responded, but there was a fight in the heavenlies. I actually had to go get another archangel. I had to go get some 
some backup so we could break through to get the answer to your prayer. And again, I really believe those are very real things, but they're not things for us to be afraid of because Jesus already overcame principalities and powers, right? And so we know that. So we don't need to be afraid of that. And I don't want to deny that. But can I just say this? What I believe is our biggest challenge is not the stronghold in the heavenlies. Our biggest challenge is the strongholds in our mind. It's in the strongholds in our minds. And you know what? Strongholds can be a really bad thing, but strongholds can actually be a very good thing. See, I want to have strongholds in my mind of faith. I want to have strongholds in my mind of peace. I want to be fixated on those things. And so what I want to talk about today is the process of how strongholds happen because they are built. Strongholds are built, good ones and bad ones. So I want to talk about how they're built. I also want to talk about tearing them down because some strongholds in our life need to be tore down. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. It says this, for though we walk in the flesh, somebody say in the flesh. Come on, pinch yourself real quick, just so you know you're in the flesh. Everybody's in the flesh, right? If there's anybody here that's not in the flesh, right? We don't believe in ghosts. Yes, there's demon powers, but when ground or a person says, well, I saw grandma, you know, she's dead. And I saw her walking up upstairs. No, grandma's not walking upstairs. You're either in the flesh or the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Right? And so you are in the flesh. We're all in the flesh. But here's what, look what he says. But we do not what? War, war after the flesh. Or one translation says we don't walk after the flesh. Look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Everybody say carnal. But mighty, somebody say mighty, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing. Come on, somebody say high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, why would a message like this be important today? Why is a message on stronghold important today, right? Why are strongholds in our life the biggest problem? Because we read, right, that in Proverbs it says that as I think, so I am. As I think, so I am. So I'm in the flesh, but God doesn't want us to walk after the flesh. And so we know that Paul is not talking about strongholds in heavenly realms. How do we know that? Because we read that he is talking about thoughts, imaginations. So he's talking about strongholds in your mind. And that's where strongholds can be. They can be in your mind. And I want us to realize today that strongholds are built. And just by looking at this scripture today, I'm going to look at the three-step process of how that strongholds are built in our lives, right? Verse five shows us casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, here's what I did. I looked at this list, but when you look at this list, it actually goes from last to first, right? Um, and so here's the way... and. This is the process that strongholds are built. Ready? Number one, it always starts with a thought. It always starts with a thought. 
Now, most of our thoughts are harmless. Most of our thoughts, man, they are harmless, right? However, some thoughts can really be life-enhancing, but other thoughts can really be destructive to our lives. And so it's my choice to decide what I am going to allow to happen in my mind. Now, let me just say this. Strongholds just don't appear. You don't, you're not gonna wake up tomorrow, Monday morning with a stronghold. That's not how it happens. It all starts with a thought. Is that simple? Yep, it is. Can I just mention to you, drug addiction started with a thought, right? Adultery didn't start in the bed. It started what? With a thought. Right? Stealing didn't start from going in there. No, it always started with a thought. A person doesn't become an alcoholic overnight. It started with a thought. Can I hear a good amen today? So it's not the thoughts that come and go that matter. It's the thoughts that stay that matter. And so when it comes to thoughts, if you don't cast it down, if you don't bring it into the obedience of Christ, here's what happens. You're going to start to meditate on it. Now, the word meditate in the Greek means this, to revolve around, to revolve around. You start to meditate. You start to let this revolve around in your mind, right? And here's how we know that this thought has taken root. Jesus said when he was talking about being anxious in Matthew chapter 6, 31, he says, take therefore no thought. What is the next word? You can tell when thoughts have taken root into your life by you start saying. When you start saying, that is when this thought has begun to come into your life and starts to take root. Let me give you some examples. Is it okay if I am tremendously practical today? Would that be okay if I'm extremely practical today? Because I think sometimes we oversize, we over-spiritualize some things, and yet some things are so simple for us to understand. But we meditate and we start speaking. Let me say, you go to the doctor and you get a diagnosis. What is the diagnosis? It's a thought that's planted into your mind. Boom, you have that thought. Now, what are you going to do with that thought? Many people start to identify that thought by speaking it. Well, you know what? The doctor said, I am a diabetic. The doctor said, I am anxious. The doctor said, you, so now you have defined yourself by a thought that started revolving in your head. And you may think that this is, this is some kind of semantics or that I'm playing games. It's actually not. Your thoughts and what you speak can determine your entire life. When we went to the doctor with my son, they said that he has asthma. And I say that the doctors say that because I don't say that. Amen. See, the doctors, and I love doctors, don't get me wrong. I wanted to be one. No, I never wanted to be one. But I don't know. I just thought I'd say that. I like to watch them on TV, but I'm like, man, they work too hard. you know. But I love doctors. I do. And I do believe that we should go because they can tell us what to pray for. But the doctors are not there to identify you. They're not telling you who you are. They're telling you what they believe you have. Oh, man, this is good. If you don't amen me, I'll amen myself. I'm comfortable doing that. And so we took my son, 
and they said he has asthma, right? And so every day we begin to pray and we thanked God that he is healed, right? And we prayed and we believe that by Jesus' stripes, my son is healed. And here's what happened. There would be days where he would start coughing. And we did use an inhaler. We used faith. I really believe that God can use medicine to heal people. Come on, somebody. Right? He's given people the wisdom. I believe that. But can I just tell you, above all of that is the power of God that needs to be in operation in our lives. And so I began to, you know, he would get his inhaler. And, Dad, you know, I, I think I need my inhaler. And you know what my response to him would be? I'd put that inhaler in his mouth and say, you are healed in Jesus' name. I did not say you are not asthmatic. I didn't say you had, I would speak in my mouth what God would say about my son. Do you think that God is up in heaven saying, yeah, that boy has asthma. Yeah, you think that's God's confession over my son? Then why would that be our confession? See, when we don't confess what God confesses, then we get an alternative result. And so we would begin to say, you are healed. You're not, you don't have asthma. You are healed in Jesus' name. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, the thing is, is that he has asthma. Well, that's the fact. But can I just tell you, the truth always trumps the facts. And the fact may be that he has asthma, but the truth is, is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus on his back bled, and by his stripes, my son is and already has been healed in Jesus' name. And so my confession is not, and my thinking is not that he has asthma. My thinking is he is healed, and he walks in the divine healing of the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, it's been three months since he's had to use his inhaler. It's been three months since he's had any type of asthmatic attack. And I'm just telling you in the name of Jesus that your speaking and your thinking makes a difference. I thought I'd get a better amen than that, but I realize it's hot in here and you're probably sweating. So we know that a thought takes root when we start to speak it. You can hear people. Oh, you know what? I'll never get married. Yeah, you probably won't. What do you mean? Yeah, you just said it. Why would somebody want to marry you when you say you'll never get married? Hello. You there? Nobody would want me. I, 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 I can't do that job. Where does that come from? You know where that comes from, ladies and gentlemen? That comes from a thinking, a pattern of thinking. And let me just help you. That doesn't come from God. That is a defeat mentality. It is a thought process that people, there is no way. My teachers, when they found out that I was a pastor, they laughed. Because I failed the seventh grade. And here I am teaching people the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, God does miracles. But can I just say that my thought process can't be, well, I failed the seventh grade and I was a loser, so I can't do anything for the rest of my life. My thought process has to be, I can do all things through Christ, and I am who God says I am, so I can do what he said I can do. That's what I think about. And even today, when I talk to you about that little seventh grader who failed, I feel like I'm talking about another kid. Because that's not who I am anymore. But it's a thought process that people start to meditate on. This is why some people never move forward in their life. Because they are past consumed. They are consumed. They, I like to say it this way. They are past possessed instead of future focus. And you can tell. I mean, it's 2018, and they're still talking about 2015. And they're still the same person. Why? Years have changed 
thinking never changed. Let me try this side. Years have changed, but thinking never changed. So they're in the past. Products of the past. Why? Because their mind's still there. Why? Because they meditate on it. They revolve around it. Right? I hear people, you want to hear? I'm just going to be real honest today. Things that I hear. Pastor Phil, God would never forgive me. 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 Well, I got to tell you, that's not the truth. But it doesn't matter what other people think about you. It matters what you think. And I'm going to be even more brave. It doesn't matter what God thinks about you if you don't think his thoughts. Because there is forgiveness that has been provided. But you will never experience that forgiveness until you make a decision to. But it doesn't change the fact that he's already poured it out. Healing has already been made available. Oh, I could never beat cancer. Can I be honest with you? Jesus already did. He already beat cancer. When, do you think that when he died and rose again, he forgot some stuff? Like, ooh, forgot to beat cancer. Oh, man, oh well. They're just going to have to live as, with punishment for their sins. I'll just leave cancer for... And some people think that way. But when you start to realize that God has already overcome that, your thinking begins to change. You know, Job said this in Job chapter 3, verse 25. He said, what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. My thoughts. See, if I were to ask you, what is your most prevalent thought? Well, let's go deeper. What is your five most prevalent thoughts. Job actually said, my thoughts and my greatest fear has come upon me. In other words, it's the law of attraction that because I kept thinking about it and thinking about it, it opened up the door for these things to happen. Your, your thoughts have power. Can I hear a good amen? amen? And so it all starts with a thought. And so if I'm going to tear down strongholds, right, it's going to start with a thought. But here's the thing. If I'm going to tear down a stronghold before it comes a stronghold, here's what I have to do. I have to attack the thought, not meditate and meditate. I need to attack the thought. And here's my question. Why do you think that way? See, attacking the thought begins to, you begin to, identify where is that thought? What is the thought that is causing me to think this way? Now, let's be honest. It could be something that could have happened this last year. It could actually have been something that happened when you were little. There could be a lot of reasons why you think the way that you do. Maybe you think the way you do because dad thought that way and grandpa thought that way. So now you think that way. And so there's a thought pattern that has developed. I hear it all the time. Well, you know, it's just it's kind of how my family thinks. I understand. And I love your family. And I know they're sincere. But how many of you know that they can be sincerely wrong? People can be sincerely wrong. And it traces back to a thought. So where is the thought? See, I've had a fear of failure many times in my life. And when I begin to trace the thought, why do I think this way? Well, you know what? I've had people in my family that have failed. So guess what? Their thought pattern came on me. And so if you identify the thought, why do you feel you have to smoke reefer to feel normal? 
Why do you think you have to drink to feel normal? Why? There is a reason, ladies and gentlemen. And don't give me, oh, because I like it. I've tasted beer. I'd rather drink urine. It don't taste good. I know people think, people think. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why they have 50,000 of them. Because you got to try to pick because none of them taste good. You ever, come on, let's just be honest. Beer is an acquired taste. That's why you got to put lemon on it. Just drink gasoline. It'll make you go faster. Right? Now, I understand. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just picking. I'm just having some fun. I, I smoked for many years in my life, right? And I would tell you that it was good, but it wasn't good when I started. It was horrible. But you know what? It's all in my mind. Because there was a mindset that without cigarettes, I can't relax. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's a lie. And what you will find is that every stronghold is linked to a lie. It's linked to a lie. And so here's what we have to do. We have to target the thought. And I, this, is, this means having some humility and being transparent and just going, hey, why do I think this way? You know, prosperity is a thought process, is a mindset. Do you know that poverty is a mindset? I grew up with a poverty mindset in my life. There's a lot of people who have money but have a poverty mindset. And you know why? There's a lot of Christians who have money. They're never generous. You know why? They have a poverty mindset because they don't actually think that they're blessed because they don't think that they're blessed. They won't give. See, I never give out of my lack. I always give out of the blessing, but I know that I'm blessed because I know in my mind that whatever I give is not really mine anyway. I'm a steward of what God has given me. But see, I know people have tons of money, but in their mind, they're always poor. I grew up that way. My mom needed a, a, a new iron. My dad would go down to the thrift shop, right? Get a $5 iron, right? And I'm not against thrift shops. Please don't misunderstand me. I love them. I buy clothes there. It's great. But can I just tell you how we grew up? He'd go buy an iron for $5. She'd plug it in. And for a week, guess what? It wouldn't work. So he went back to the thrift shop. Thrift shop. My mouth hasn't woken up yet. He'd go back to the thrift shop, buy another $5 iron, come back home, give another five. That would work for two weeks and then it would break. And then he'd go back to the thrift shop, buy another $5 iron. You've already spent $15. Why don't you buy a new one? Because of poverty mentality. Poverty. Poverty. And I talked to my dad the other day. He's like, I'm still fighting through this. Because you know why? Listen, he grew up poor. Where everything, and you know, my, I'm just trying to help people. God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. But the Bible talks about that things aren't going to change, right, until your soul, in other words, until your mind is changed. That we make a decision to start to think different. Why do you think this way? And here's what I will tell you today. The Holy Spirit will help you find that thought. And you keep thinking it. And you need to attack the thought. But here's what people do. They attack the conduct, not the thought. Your conduct is a result of your thinking. So my conduct and the way I act 
originated with a thought. So if I can attack the thought, that's what I'm doing. I'm attacking and breaking down the stronghold. Why? By breaking down the thought. And the Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. See, when you ask Jesus to come inside your heart, he comes in in all his abundance and all of his grace. But guess what? Your mind wasn't renewed. Your spirit was. That's why it's up to us to renew our mind. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Are you glad you came to church today in this hot July? They're fixing the air conditioners. That's why they have all the stuff in the front. And I apologize, but oh, Jesus, may they fix them quick. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your what? Mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. I've been reading the, the Passion Translation. I love this translation. You can just Google BibleGateway.com and you can see all the translations. But I love the way that the, the Passion Translation says this. It says, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions. See, can I ask you, is it opinions that have formed your thoughts? Is it culture that's forming your thoughts? Was it family that said stuff about you that's forming your thoughts? Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a life satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Pastor Phil, how do I big build good strongholds. You attack the thought, but here's what you do. You start to think and replace those thoughts with the thoughts of God. See, some of you, the way you think about yourself is not how God sees you. So you are living according to the way you see yourself, not the way that God sees you. And when you start to see yourself, how do I do that, Pastor Phil? I look in, the Bible says this is a mirror. This will show you. Yeah, the mirror will show you your pimples. It'll show you, right, your sin. But here's what it does. It also shows you how to get rid and to be forgiven of your sins and the spiritual pimples and watch. But this will also show you who you are. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. You are anointed. You have gifts. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't care what your ex-husband says about you. I'm amazed. I've done counseling with, with teenagers, some of the most, 17 years old, some of the most beautiful girls you've ever seen in your life on the cheerleading team. And you know what? Guys would commit suicide to jump off roofs to go out with them if they would just say yes. But one little jerk over here broke their heart and now they're devastating and they think they're ugly. And you know what? They carry that. And they begin to live with an image and a thought process because of something that happened in their life. And I'm just telling you what God says about you is the truth. But you've got to start to think those thoughts. You can do it. You can do all things through Christ. Listen, you are 
forgiven. You are loved. Yes, I know you may have been rejected and you think about that and you let that revolve in your mind. But in reality, the Bible says you are not rejected. You are accepted in the beloved. As a matter of fact, we don't say this a lot on Easter when we talk about the crucifixion, because a lot of times we don't talk about the crucifixion during Easter. But can I tell you that Jesus was despised and rejected. He took on emotional turmoil so you could stand before God and be accepted. And can I tell you that if God accepts you, who cares about everybody else? I know you know this, and I know this isn't rocket science, but we need to hear it. You're never gonna please everybody. The short people aren't going to like you because you're taller than them. You can't please everybody. So here's what we do. We just please God. And I'm okay because he loves me. Do I want people to like me? Absolutely. I want people to like me for the gospel's sake. I want people to like me because I want them to see Jesus. But you know, some people are never going to like you. And can I just help you? I know, I, 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 please, I'm not Dr. Phil today. I'm Pastor Phil. But some people aren't going to like you because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what they think. And you just became the object of their thoughts. We need to start to think the thoughts of God. But here's what happens. If you don't take that thought, attack the thought. Here's the second point. And the second step in the process, if you don't deal with it, it becomes a high thing. Everybody say that with me. Say high thing. These thoughts, here's what they try to do. They try to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. So you need to know what God says, because if you don't, you're going to succumb to all of these things. And the enemy is going to try to put thoughts in your head. And can I just tell you, have you ever figured out that the enemy's not nice? He'll tell you things that, well, if your daddy didn't love you, who do you think will love you then? If your daddy abandoned you, who you think is going to stand? Well, can I just tell you? Yeah, my daddy may have abandoned me, but I have a heavenly father who never leaves me, who never forsakes me, who will never abandon me. See, the knowledge tries to rise up against the truth. But see, I had to learn the knowledge of God. And here's the actual implication, that the lower knowledge comes against the higher knowledge to pull it down, right? It tries to exalt itself. No, you're a loser. Your family was a loser. Your family was a failure. You'll never go to college. You know, all of these things tries to exalt itself. You don't have the mind of Christ. You have ADHD. You have a, no, 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 no. And it tries to pull down the knowledge of God. That's what it does. It's a high thing. That's the implication. And so every thought that's consistent with God, I'm going to think about. I'm going to focus my energy on. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, can I ask you a question? Why are you putting your energy there? There's no return. There's no result except anxiety. Here's the result of putting your, why don't you put your energy and your thoughts into what God says about you? Why, why do you keep believing that? It's, it's a total lie. Every thought that exalts itself above this knowledge should be cast down. 
should be cast down. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Everybody say, but mighty. God has given us weapons. Now, one of those weapons is the sword of the spirit. The Bible talks about this is a sword. And I always say this, use this sword against the devil. He'll get the point every time. This is a sword. The word of God is a sword that we are to speak. And it's not only a sword, it's actually, these are the thoughts of God. So when I speak the word, I'm speaking what God thinks. And so I have to speak that. But the word, the Bible says that the weapons that we have are not carnal. Listen, in other words, they're not physical human weapons. Can I just tell you? You cannot fix and overcome an addiction with a New Year's resolution. I know some of you are like, is it January? Why is he talking about New Year's resolutions? Because that's what people think. See, that's a carnal. And I'm not saying we don't have goals. I'm not saying that. But human power will only give you a temporary fix. That's why so many people, oh, yeah, it's two weeks into my New Year's resolution and I've already blown it. Because addictions and overcoming these mindsets, you're not going to be able to do it with carnal human power. It has to be done with supernatural weapons, which is the word of God. So he says for these weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Say that one more time. Say mighty. Come on, say it like you are. Come on. Mighty, but mighty through what? God. Through ourselves? No, it's through God, through us, to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, I like to look in the Greek, in the literal Greek of this word mighty, right? This, this, this word means this. I am strong. I am able. I can. That's what this word. Can you say that with me? Come on, say it. I am strong. I am able. I can. Come on, can you say it one more time? Say it loud. I am strong. I am able. I can. That's what God thinks about you. That's the might that we have. And so if we want to tear down strongholds, we've got to find that thought. We've got to attack that thought. We've got to start thinking the thoughts of God. But here's what we got to do. We've got to also tear down. Here's, let me say it really simple. I've got to bring that thought into the knowledge of God. I've got to bring that thought. And here's my filter. Here's my filter. Here's my filter. Here's my filter right here. I'm not going to let any knowledge I don't care who said it, whether it was Hollywood. I don't care if it was a best friend. When that knowledge tries to exalt itself against this, I'm going to pull it down and exalt the knowledge of God. All this can be happening in your brain. All this can be happening. And I think somehow we know when those thoughts come. Pastor Phil, I, I, I just can't control my thoughts. I just can't. They're your thoughts. Do you ever think about what you're thinking about? Do you ever think? I know our mind is, can be so complex. I was driving down the freeway the other day and I was like, okay, I've missed this. <laughs> I've missed this exit before. I'm not missing this exit today. So I was driving. Guess what? Missed the exit. My mind just went. We moved into a new house. Can I just tell you how many times I've driven to the old house? I'm not going to tell you. 
And you know what it is? It's all right in here because it became a habit, right? My wife's like, where have you been? I was like, I'm at the old house. <laughs> I lived there for six years. On my way to the old house. There's, and there's patterns that we begin. And here it is. It's all in our thinking. And so we have got to think about what we're thinking about. And then we have got to attack the thought. We have to start thinking the thoughts of God and every thought that tries to exalt itself over the thoughts of God. Guess what? We bring it down. And here's what you start to do. You start to speak God's word over your life. See, that's how thoughts take root. You start to speak. No, I'm not a diabetic. Here's what I say. I am the healed of the Lord. Yeah, I am fighting diabetes. I don't have diabetes. I'm just saying, I'm using this as an illustration. The truth is, you're fighting a battle that's already been won because God has already won the victory. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from a place of victory. So when I speak what God speaks, I'm just speaking the victory. It's like those people on Super Bowl Sunday that cannot believe that their team lost and they keep talking to you and all you have to say, look at the score. Look at the score. Look at the score. Look at the score. Let me give you another example. There's many times that I record football games because I come to church. And so I tell people, do not tell me the score. Do not tell me the score. And so there's always somebody that will tell me the score. And I said, I just ask you not to tell me the score. And they will say, you're going to be happy today. And they go like this with their eyes. Maybe they don't tell me, but they'll, hey, they go like this. So here's what happens. Watch. I go home, and as I watch the game, my team fumbles. There's interceptions, and I'm like, I don't know how we could win like this. But somebody went like this at service. So I know we already won. And guess what? We did win. And that's how sometimes the Christian life is. There's fumbles, there's interceptions, but you've already won. The game is over. The victory has been won. Don't worry about the interceptions and the fumbles. I know the diagnosis. I know the plays on the field are crazy, but it has been settled. You are an overcomer. Come on, let's give him a better round of applause than that. So it starts with number one. What is it? Let's help them out, John. We, no, not that one. Number one. This is real live television, folks. Number one. Ready? Okay, just let me say this. We're recording, so let's try it again. People all over the world are hearing this. So it starts with number one. A thought. And then what happens, number two? It becomes a high thing. Let's say it again. It becomes a high thing if we don't deal with it. And then here's number three. It turns into what the Bible calls imaginations. This word in the Greek actually means this, reasonings. Simple, look, a thought, right? Meditate on it, revolve it. It becomes a high thing if I don't deal with it, and then I start to reason. If you look in Webster's Dictionary, reason is, it says reason precedes conduct. So when I don't deal with the thought and it becomes a high thing, I start to reason and then it starts to become my, a part of my behavior. 
starts to become a part of my behavior. And where did it all start? It started with a thought. Some people have strongholds in their life of fear, of fear. Somewhere in your life, there was a thought and it exalted itself about what God says. And what does God say? God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a, a sound mind. <gasps> fear is a spirit. Ooh, that's scary. Listen, but you've overcome. God has already overcome. Some people have a, a stronghold of depression. Some people have a stronghold of fear, doubt, depression. But guess what? You can have a stronghold of faith. That no matter what comes against your life, you know what? That's what you're going to believe. And you choose to believe. You can have a stronghold of peace. And so we've got to build good strongholds. And so now here's what you have. You have people, when you build good strongholds, the thought comes, they tear it down, they pull it and make it right beneath the knowledge of God and they exalt the knowledge of God. And then in their reasoning, they start to act and do what God would do. Why? Because they're thinking the thoughts of God, because they're exalting the knowledge of God. And now their behavior begins to line up with the word of God. See, there are some reasons, there's many reasons to read the Bible, but one of the reasons is you need to put this in front of your eyes because what you put in front of your eyes causes you to think. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. And that's how the thoughts come by our eyes, our ears, what we hear, what we see. And so sometimes I just need to look at what Jesus says and I need to get that on the inside of it, uh, on the inside of me. And in our time remaining, I just want to show you something. And I want you to just, I'm going to ask you some questions because you see this. This is how the enemy works. He puts a thought in you. He lies to you. If you don't exalt the knowledge of God, then it becomes reasoning, imaginations, and then you start to act this way. This is what he did in the beginning with Adam and Eve. Let's see if we can point out how it happens. Are you ready? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And let's see if you can identify the steps. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? Now the original Hebrew here is, Why has God said? All right? So, what step is this? What is he doing? Come on, say it. Some of you are already saying it. Thought, right? Why, what, why did God say that? Boom. He pops the thought in your mind. Well, why, why did God say that? Right? Why did God say that? He says, you should not eat of every tree of, of, of the garden. Has God said you shall not eat? That's actually even a lie. God said you can eat of every tree. Right? So here it is. The devil's giving you a thought. Let's look at verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, we should not eat it, nor shall we touch it, lest you die. Now, did God ever tell them not to touch it? No, he never told them that. So here again, we see Eve doesn't really know the knowledge of God, right? When you don't know the knowledge of God in the Old Testament, it says, my people perish for a lack of what? Knowledge. So we don't know. We got to know. But she says she starts talking about touching the fruit. So let me ask you this. What step is this? What is he doing? He's pitching a lie. What is that? 
High thing, high thing, right? Exalting itself over the knowledge of God, right? God told them that they would surely die. The devil's like, you ain't gonna die. God says you will surely die. What was he talking about? Spiritually, verse four. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Ladies and gentlemen, good and evil doesn't make you a God. The devil knew good and evil and he had to get into a snake. He had to get into a snake, right? They were already made in God's image, right? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, listen, oh, it looks so good. It can't be bad for me. Oh yeah, I know a lot of things that look good that are very bad for you, right? So the woman saw that the tree was good and that it was pleasant to the eyes. It was desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and what did she do? She ate. What is that? Imaginations, reasoning. Now it affected her behavior. So he was like, hmm, it's good for food. It's pretty, can't hurt me. Hmm, it'll make me smart. I'm gonna eat it. I'm gonna eat it. And the next words out of their mouth were, we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid, right? A thought, a high thing, imaginations that weren't dealt with. Now what are they acting out? Disobedience and fear. And ladies and gentlemen, it all started with a thought. And because Adam and Eve never dealt with the thought, the imagination and the reasoning, guess what happens? that strongholds were birthed into mankind. The strongholds of fear, the strongholds of guilt, the stronghold of shame. Why? Because they didn't deal with the thought. And I wanna tell you, the Bible says that you have weapons that are mighty and that you are strong, that you are able, and that you can do it. You aren't gonna do it in your carnal nature, but you will do it with the power of God that he has given you. And you can, in Jesus' name, overcome every stronghold that comes your way. Come on, can we give the Lord a great round of applause for his word? Would you stand with me? I wanna say this just one more time, this definition of mighty. Would you stand and let's just say this, say this loud and let's say it with faith. Come on, say, I am strong. I am able. I can. Come on, say it again. I am strong. I am able. I can. One last time as loud as you can, ready? I am strong. I am able. I can. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.